One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Daly. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jurgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jurgen. I travelled to all these interviews from Barcelona. And our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. Part two of the big interview with me, Graham Hunter, not Troy McClure. Don Hutchison was a funny, uh, intelligent, interesting, articulate guest. He and we could have spent all day doing this in a sort of tantric fashion. But we didn't, and that's why this second part is also the final part. And it's where things got a bit personal. Uh, there are profiles from him from the heart and from the gut of two very different Everton managers who had a huge impact on Don, his career, and his day-to-day life. They are Howard Kendall, in tears, and Walter Smith, with one of his players, guess who, by the throat against the wall. Listen on. You won't regret it. Well, you might if you're not a particular Everton fan, but for everybody else, this is pure sexual healing. You you were born at around the same time as Pep Guardiola. And in the year that you were born, Everton were English champions. Mm. And they were driven by the, the Holy Trinity, yeah. as they're called. Um, Colin Harvey, Alan Ball and Howard Kendall. And Howard was making his debut aged 17. Yeah. Colin Harvey was the White Pell aged 16. Bolly was at Blackpool aged 17, won the World Cup aged 21. It is, of the three of them, it's Howard Kendall who's the one yeah. that affected you most. And it's going to be quite a complicated subject because, you know, if we start at the back end, there's no doubt that the, the way in which the latter part of his life was, wasn't necessarily the real Howard Kendall, yeah. the Howard Kendall who was apparently 
an outstanding midfield footballer. Yep. Outstanding. And he'd been a wonderful manager. Mm. But I don't know whether to start with, you said father figure. Yeah. I'm cheating because I already know the tale of Chinese Tuesdays. Chinese Tuesdays. Let's start with Chinese Tuesdays. <laughs> Chinese Tuesdays was formed at Sheffield United. And we had such a good culture at the time. Not, not great for now because it was a... It was a, I wouldn't say it was a drinking culture, but what it was, it was a, it was a bonding culture that the dressing room and the management staff were so tight with each other. If anyone ever called a night on, if someone had a baby wet in the baby's head, everyone turned up. Um, and obviously when you've got 20-odd pros and six or seven staff, there's quite a regular... It's a gang. It is. And Howard was quite a superstitious manager... And at Sheffield United, he formed a day where we used to go to a Chinese restaurant in, um, I think it was in Door in Sheffield. Uh, and basically what it was is the management had their table at the top end and all the players were sat around in their circular tables. And you had to either sing a song or tell a joke standing on your chair, which to pros is, again, it's out of your comfort zone. It can go two ways. You can bomb or it could be great. And they used to get so much pleasure out of out the players bombing. Um, so it was either sing a song or tell a joke. If you heard it before, you got find a fiver. If the song was crap, you got find a fiver. And it was just purely for everyone's entertainment. Eat as much food as you want, because traditionally Wednesdays is a day off. Um, drink as much as you want, because afterwards the married uh, and the guys that were in a couple would then go home. The single lads at the time would turn that Chinese Tuesday into a nighttime stroke, two, three in the morning, headache next morning, come in for Thursday. So anyway, we went through Chinese Tuesdays at the start of the season by winning and drawing. Most games didn't really lose. So it was Chinese Tuesday, win on a Saturday, Chinese Tuesday, win on a Saturday. And it was constant. It was on and on and on until we went away somewhere and we got absolutely pumped by a big number and it was embarrassing. And Howard being Howard never really had to tell you off. He had a look about him that when he thought you'd let him down, Mm. it was gut-wrenching. Horrible feeling to know you've let the nicest man, the most caring, kindest man, the man who, in my opinion, loved football the most. Out of, not every manager, because Graham and Kenny, they all adore, and Harry, all of them, they all adore their football. But if you're picking a room in any environment, whether you're sitting in here, whether you're sitting downstairs in a group of lads, a group of men, and a group of women, he'd be the most charming man in the world to the women. He'd be the guy you want to talk sport with, especially football, but can hold a conversation with anyone. He's the guy you'd pick. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so we got That's pumped. Big That's nice yeah, to hear. no, and, he, and, and we got pumped away from home. Um, and he hammered the goalkeeper, uh, left a little bit on the centre half and the fullbacks. So he looked at me, he just gave me a look, which was just heart wrench. It was gut wrench. It was horrible. And he moved on, and he nailed everyone, and he just smashed everyone for about fifteen minutes, and then he went right. He went, you know what will hurt you the most? And we went, what? And he went, Chinese Tuesdays are finished. <laughs> and with that, every single player, instead of getting hammered for their football abilities and the, and the, and the type of game was what, every footballer just put their head in their hands and went, <laughs> no, Chinese Tuesdays is finished. And with that, he went, hey, he went, don't panic. They're now on a Wednesday. <laughs> Genius man management. Genius man management because he cut us down, he gave everyone the look, he battered them, he took the most prized thing away from you at the time, which was Chinese Tuesday, the bonding sessions, but sharply just twisted it 
to a Wednesday. Italian Wednesdays. What What was about him? Why did you... Moving to Everton was a move up in the division, wages, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It might not have been fantastic. Later events would prove mm-hmm. Everton historic. What, what was it about him and Everton and, and you that, that mattered so much to you? Because certainly in his only season of coaching you at Everton, things weren't <coughs> you know what you'd have wanted it to be. Yeah. The, the, uh, the Johnsons, he, the, the money wasn't there. The, yeah. the squad probably yeah. was... A bit thin, it was a, it I was, guess. Yeah. What, what was you touched upon? What a man he was. What, what was it that was special about him as a coach? Well, the truth be not, truth be told, it wouldn't have mattered at the time who was the manager of it because I would have gone there in a heartbeat because I wanted to be back in the Premier League. Uh, I love being in the Championship. Again, you talk about pure football, and it's relentless. You have to be durable. You have to be tough. You have to be physically fit, mentally fit to play Saturday, Tuesday, and complete something like. 60, 70 games a season, so a brutal league to play in, but a good one. Um, but the sprinkle of Everton and Howard, mm. it was a no-brainer. Mm. Um, and again, for all the reasons, because you could sit down with Howard, you could talk about football if you've got a problem with your, your private life, if he had been um, a, a friend's dad when we're going for the minor strike and I couldn't speak to my dad, I went and spoke to Howard because he was engaging, he was warm. Um, and as I said before, it wouldn't have mattered in any environment. And I've seen him in a million environments, and he and he holds court like you wouldn't believe. Mm. And he doesn't boss it, you know. He takes information on. He listens to people's opinions. He gives his opinion, and then you come to the conclusion that he's right. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it, it's just an incredibly, well, he was an incredibly sound man, and just, in my opinion, just 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 the perfect man. If you're if you're handpicking a family member. Mm. You'd want Howard to be in it. it. It mattered then a great deal for your personal pride and for the club and for the fans, but also for Howard. That on that last day you you somehow saved oh, the incredible. Uh, I mean, compared to the the emotional highs of Wembley, you know the roars, the boos. Mm. I'll show you. You know your family are there. You you score the winner at Wembley. It's not enough to go through, but that that I understand for a myriad of reasons why that's a high point. Yeah. I, I don't know what emotions you approached the the, the game against Coventry with because. You know the 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 odds. It's it's a tough one because you'd, you'd lost three four in the trot, yeah. and a while since you'd won. You'd scored in the last victory, which was four or five weeks ago, and and the, I don't know if the if you you talked about having odds against me liking that, but when you're under tension yeah. of failure yeah. and everybody's tense around you, that must have been horrible. Yeah, yeah, horrible. Not a completely different feeling when you know the world's against you. Mm. I'll show you. Um, Howard was quite smart. The night before the game, we always, when we played at home, we always stayed in our own beds. Um, you stayed at home and you drove into the game. And he wanted all that, um, he wanted all that gone. So he put us in a hotel over, I think it was in New Brighton at the time. And it was over the water, a million miles away from Liverpool. And whether it was a tactic, whether it was just something that he thought of off the cuff, on the morning of the game, he took us for a walk in New Brighton. And bizarrely enough, he took us to a little patisserie. And we all had tea and scones and cakes the morning of the game. Yeah. Maybe just for that hour you could take away the pressure that was going to be coming in a few hours' time. And we went for a lovely, lo- lovely sunny walk, had a, had a tea and a scone, and we got back. And then once we got ready and got on the coach, I don't think I've ever felt any pressure in my life of when the coach arrived um, at the main entrance at Goodison Park 
And normally when you arrive at any ground, there's probably a couple of hundred people, a couple of thousand max. The, the coach couldn't get down the street. There must have been 20,000 people on the streets, on the curbs, on the streets, in the bars, out of windows. And the majority were banging on the, on, on, on the team coach. The majority were singing. You could actually see the fear in the faces of the people that were going to be coming through the turnstiles in an hour's time. And it was a real moment where you were absolutely bricking it. Because it transmits, doesn't it? Of course it does, because you know, you know anyway what the game means to a club like Everton that have never been relegated. You know for your personal pride you don't want to be going at the championship. You know the manager, Howard, doesn't want to be in the, in the, in the championship. You know what it feels like for him because he's an Evertonian mm. and he doesn't want to be the man that takes them down. Mm. And then you see the streets aligned with 20,000 fans and you can see it in every boy and girl, man and woman. They are petrified and what's going to happen. And you're on that team coach and it normally you have a little bit of music going on to try and drown out anything. It was silence. It was, every, it was horrible. It was every person just sitting there thinking for yourself. And when you're thinking for yourself in those sort of scenarios, you're always thinking of worst-case scenario. You're never thinking, we're going to win this today. It's going to be comfortable. We're going to stay up. It's going to be a party afterwards. You just think, this is horrible. This is literally the worst drive and the worst... 20 minutes going into the dressing room I've ever had. The opposition manager is Gordon Strachan. Um, it's Coventry. Yep. You need Bolton not to do as well as you have At think, Chelsea. At Chelsea, which I think was a reasonable bet. But you, you yeah, but guys... It was goal, but it was, I think memory serves you right, but it was goal difference. So if, if Bolton, was Bolton get a draw and we lose, we're gone. It's relegation. It's relegation. Do, do, does the, is the game gone now? Did it imprint on your memory? Never leave me. Seriously, the, the actual game is seriously. No, not no, not in terms of how the ninety minutes went. The before the game, um, bits of the game where Gareth Farrelly scored the best goal he's ever scored in his life with his right foot, which he had no right foot whatsoever, <laughs> and he stuck it in the stanchion, and we all just dive on him in the corner flag. And then all of a sudden, I don't know at what period of the game he scored. No idea. I've got no idea on what the team talk was like at half time. I remember the remember the team talk before the game. Half-time's a blur. The second 45 minutes was the longest game of football I've ever played in my life. I don't even know what the score was at half-time. I don't know who won or up. I don't know if it was nil-nil. Uh, okay, then I'm surprised. Okay. Um, and then Dion Dublin scores. Yeah, very late. Very late, which felt, again, I don't know minutes, but it felt as though if you could take me back and you go, Dion Dublin scored, how, how long's left? It felt like 20 minutes, even though it might have been five. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because the game was just so slow. And we had no real clue how the game was going. No, I tell a lie. There was part of the game we didn't know how Bolton were getting on at Chelsea. Then we realised through the fans how the game had gone. But still, one more goal for Kov sends us down. Yeah. We needed the point. Uh, and then the final whistle went. And then, it actually was quite emotional. And then Howard was on the pitch. Adrian Heath was on the pitch. Viv Busby was on the pitch. The crowd then were on the pitch. And then just raw emotion, relief. No, no celebrating. I don't think that would be the right word. And I don't think we've, we, we were celebrating staying up. It was the fact of, thank God, that game's over and we've survived. Just relief. Everton should never, ever no. be in that position ever again. And I think that you had a moment that only you and Howard shared. Yeah. Because it meant, he, for those who don't, I mean, I mentioned that he was part of the Holy Trinity that made 
Everton champions of England in 1970 and was an extremely good player. Mm. He'd also coached what otherwise might be Everton's greatest team ever, the one that won the Cup Winners' Cup. So for him to be the steward, if you had gone down, it obviously had eaten away at him. Been traumatised for him. And he finished in tears. We... Again, we were in the dressing room and it felt wrong, but there was a few bottles of champagne in the dressing room. Music got turned up very loud, as it is because you saved yourselves. It's, co- it's, of course, it's also natural. Of in course, a way. it is. Yeah, it's not right, but it is because we've survived, and why not yeah. celebrate surviving? Even though yeah. it's not, it's not the right thing to do, but it felt right at the time. Um, and I've looked around, and everyone was taking tops off and getting in showers and celebrating. I've looked around, and I couldn't see Howard. And I saw Adrian, and I saw Viv, and I went, "Where's the gaffer?" And he went. He'd probably be in the boot room. First left at the home dressing room is the boot room. So I've knocked on the door, uh, nothing. I've knocked on the door and I've done the knock where you knock, being respectful, but then you slightly open it. And as I've got an inch open, pitch black, no lights on, and I've opened and I heard Howard and saw him crying like a baby mm. in, the, uh, in the boot room. And I've gone in, didn't turn the light on, just shut the door behind him, sat with him, embraced him, uh, I was quite okay. It wasn't emotional. It is emotional now speaking because yeah. obviously we've lost Howard. Yeah. And I'd love, I'd love 10 seconds with him again just to do exactly the same thing. And that. he let it all out. Yeah. And you could, you, could, you, 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 you could feel his breath on him. You could feel um, all the emotion coming out of him. You could feel his heartbeat, the tears, all the emotion in a, in a pitch black room just with two men at a time. Forget about footballers and managers. Yeah. Just two humans on that level Never ever leave me. You've been brought to the edge of what your emotions are able to cope with, or certainly in his instance, he's a different generation from you. He'd lived a little bit differently. Um, he he was more attached to Everton than you. You can. It's what it's part of the magic of football. It, it can do such devastating things yeah. to you, but you know that redemption is there. You know that a new start is there by August or July, and that the highs are as as awesome as the lows are dreadful yeah it's really a remarkable it's, thing of the sport that we love so much yeah and a lot of a lot of people because a lot of fans don't really think essentially players care yeah but they do it's their life it's what it's it's it's, it's what we're there to do uh and it really it annoys me sometimes when lazily i think fans use that some sometimes in some cases you might get the odd pro where you know if you if you look at someone like david batty who always proclaimed when he was playing the game he didn't love it and it was just a job to him. Understand it. Um, I don't agree with it. And there's been many players since David Batty. He's not the only one. Um, but you realise when you have a moment, like I had in the boot room with Howard that day, you know that people do care. I'll lift the mood a little bit. Our sponsors, Bit365, have also asked us, and it's handy that you've brought us to um, what happened on Chinese Tuesday. If you had a karaoke song, <coughs> what, w- what was your karaoke Brilliant song? Brilliant question. I've got two. And one is Wishing I Was Lucky from Wet, Wet, Wet. And the other one is Big Love, Fleetwood Mac. Hmm. Okay, now, hmm, that's quite a range of... uh... Yeah, my music is very eclectic. I can go through uh, hip-hop from the 90s. I can go Stone Roses is my favourite ever band. Thank you. Yeah. I kind of knew that from, from yeah, some exactly. of our chats on Twitter. But. Yeah, constantly sending you lemons. <laughs> um, but, I, but I don't know what's happened to me where... The 80s, I just love the music. Yeah. It's just easy and it's just, 
You know, you can go anywhere from Boy George to Spandau Ballet. Good man. To Duran Duran, to, you know, Visage. You can go anywhere across that. King. You know, you can, you can, go, any, you can go any song throughout that era and you can go, that was brilliant. And it's happened to me now where in the living room, there's a telly on the wall in the living room, uh, channel 205 is CBBS for the kids, for the twins. Of course it is. And number 83 is now music 1980s. And I walk in, I go, 83. <laughs> and it's just constant 80s music. And in the calm, 80s music. The constant golden hour. I, I don't think I'll ever get old enough to go to the Elvis and the <laughs> 70s and stuff. But I definitely appreciate that more. No, that wasn't a big. You're just Martin Keown. No, I, I did it. Right. <laughs> it wasn't a two-footed challenge. I didn't mean it. I, ju- I just meant I never thought... I never thought when I was growing up I would even love... Fleetwood Mac or the eighties. What I've got to go through to get these men. It wasn't a. It was. It was probably a yellow. I don't think it was a straight red. (laughs) It's it's borderline red. Uriah. Yeah. No. Uriah. Uriah. Straight red. red. He's up red. Uh, (laughs) And I think it's it's amazing what happens to you when because obviously my brother was that was his era the eighties being ten years older than me and and I just and I and I love it I just I, I love the music. So and, well, and so when you were on the chair in uh, in Sheffield, um, out, out by where Joe Root stays, I think is that is where you you mentioned the little right and Chrissy Waddle as well. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, Mark Rowe. When when you were up on the chair on Chinese Tuesdays, what was your level of the you know and just in the in the karaoke charts of Sheffield United? How, how, what as in standard where, of singing or where, choice? Where, where were you amongst the group? Is all I'm asking. Really. What singing? Yeah, bang average. I'd, li- I'd like to think when I'm in the car, I'm a, I'm a 10 out of 10. There you go. That's because you, you turn it up and you nail Big Mac or wishing I was... Uh, not Big Mac, Fleetwood Mac, excuse me. Because uh, it's or, a big that. Of course it is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But when you're, when you're in or on Chinese Tuesdays and you're standing on the chair and it's silence... Well, it's that's, different, isn't that's it? That's nerves. But that's your environment. Yeah. It is, but it's not. <laughs> it's your environment. <laughs> there's you, a ball at your foot. Yeah, exactly, your exactly. It's, you're in your environment with your pals, but you're completely out of your comfort zone because you know they're going to nail you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. We're going to tail off a little bit now and <coughs> wrap it up a little bit to let you have your life back in your hands. There, there was there, there's a, an agent I used to know way back. I don't speak to many football agents, but back in the 90s, it was really important to know one or two. One of them told me a big story about how Marco Materazzi, mm. thug, tattooed... Wow. Um, what was it? Well, he sort of... He, he, he brought it on himself with Zidane, didn't he? I thought he did. He abused him and he got head-butted in the Never chest saw that player at Everton. No. Never, well, ever. Well... I don't know what happened to him. That's kind of the thing I'm going to ask about because the tale I was told was that quite often this I mean thug or not maybe I used the wrong word but he's a big lump of a man yeah. he's a fairly big covered in tats mm-hmm. petrified to go in at half time after a bad display to face either the soft and gentle Walter Smith yeah. or the genuinely irascible Archie Knox mm. does that ring bells with yeah. you? Marco came over and we were building unbelievable side in the Walder we'd signed um, John Collins uh, we'd signed um, uh, Marco Materazzi, yeah. Olivier Decor, Decor could play. Nice. Kevin Campbell from Easy Turkish ball. football. Yeah, we already had a good crop of youngsters. People like Michael Ball, uh, Richard Goff came at, at thirty-nine, I think. Dave Watson at thirty-eight, but, but honest, good pros. So you had a very, very good mix, and you could see where the club was going. And I digress slightly where I go back to that pre-season, and Walter Smith pulled me in his office. And it's the first time I've ever been told this before. And he said to me, he said, I like you, you've got something about you. But just to let you know, if you want to leave, you can. And I went, why? And he went, we've just signed John Collins and Olivier Decor. You ain't going to get in. Uh, and I went, I will. And I went, I'm not leaving. And I, he went, why would you say that? And I went, because I'm better than them two. Because I was experienced, I had a bit of balls about me where I wouldn't have said that in a million years if I was a teenager. But I believed in my ability and I walked out the door, um, and pre-season was pre-season. And then, as all managers do, or, or certainly did back then, they, he put an 11 v 11 on at Goodison Park a week before the season starts. And managers always pick their 11 that's going to start um, against the reserves, stroke youngsters. And in his first team were to the left-hand side, kicking away from the Gladys Street end. And I was with the youngsters... Um, reserves playing against the first team to the right-hand side. And the game kicked off, and i done the most horrendous tackle on Olivier Decor ever to test him. It wasn't to, it wasn't to hurt him, it wasn't to put him out of the first team whatsoever. And I was never that sort of player. I would never cost another man's career. It was what are you made of? Yeah. And he come back the two-footed challenge, and the two of us kicked the life out of each other for 90 minutes. And it was just absolutely brilliant knowing... We've got someone like him in the side mm-hmm. and I've got to go past him to get in the team. And then John Collins was playing and he took a couple of naughty tackles as well. And Walter knew that I wasn't going to back down. And again, I don't know timescales. It felt like within a week or so or a, certainly a month, the midfield three was me, the court and John Collins. And it was all because I said, I ain't leaving, I'm better than them two. And probably all to do with how that 90 minutes went and of course he was going to play, and of course John was going to play. But I think I'd like to think Walter saw enough of me, mm-hmm. character-wise, to half think, no, 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 we need him in the side. Well, as well, you read Walter well there because you know 
for all his abilities, whatever else he is, he's, he's a hard man. Very hard. Very. And Archie, for all the underneath, he's probably uh, 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 not quite what he appears. He's probably the one who's had more players. I had, I had, I had the most strangest thing happen to me under Walter. And it was, um, I think it was the year later, pre-season over in El Choco, over in Pisa. Is it Pisa? Beautiful place. Beautiful Choco place. Choco is kind of famous for, for not just the training, but the excesses of a night time. There's a, there's a nightclub around the corner, which I think was 24 hours. Uh, we, got, we got let off one night and we, I think, and, and if... if I'm sure you've been. Have you been? Yeah. Yeah. And there's just pictures of the greatest Milan sides, the greatest Juve sides, all the top sides around the world have all been to Choco for pre-season. Lovely hotel, sensational food. Drive literally round and round a mountain until you get to the top and then there's a football pitch at the top. It's just the most idyllic place you'll ever go in your life. And um, my contract was running out and I was constantly nagging away at the gaffer, Walter, for a new contract. And he kept saying, brushing me off, brushing me off. And then one day I went to see him and he said to me, he said, come and see me after dinner tonight when I'll be on the balcony with, with Archie. Come and see me, we'll talk about it. It was the most strangest thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, I went to, the, went to the bar, bought a bottle of red wine, took it over, three glasses, poured three glasses, had three, three glasses of red wine. And he went, how much do you want? Exactly. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sort of too bothered. I said, I'm on really relatively low wages and the big boys are on what they were. Um, and then he told me, he said, right, he said, Nick Barnby's bang in the middle, spectrum of wages. And he told me the figure, and he went, would you be happy with that? And I went, absolutely, done. Drank red wine, got back, prepped for pre-season. Um, a couple of games in, we play West Ham away. And I've gone to see Walter just beforehand, I think on the Friday morning. Um, and the day before Thursday, me and my agent... I think it was Michael Dunford, the chief, chief exec, uh, and Walter were in a room and we're chatting away, chatting away, mentioning figures. They're mentioning low balling, we're mentioning high balling, knowing we were going to come to a conclusion. Uh, and they were nowhere near it. And Walter said, you can't have that. It's far too much money. So I'm looking at him and I thought, this is strange. So the next morning, Friday morning, I went to see Walter and knocked on his door. Archie's sitting there scribbling some notes. He knows what's coming. Clever man. Glasses on. Walter said, what's up? So I've told him what's up. I went, what about what you said to me a couple of weeks back in Choco about Barnby's wages? You told me how much Matarazzi. You told me Kevin, uh, Kevin Campbell. You told me Oli Decourt. And he went, I didn't tell you that. And I've gone, what? And he went, I didn't tell you that. I went, you did. I said, you told me how much everyone's earning. How would I know this? And I went, Archie. Archie put his head down, started scribbling. Walter went, you've got one more chance. He went, are you calling me a liar? And I've gone, Absolutely. And he ran over, got me by the throat, stuck me against the wall, and you'll never play for this club again. Got my tracksuit on on a Friday morning, travelling to West Ham. So he pies me to one side, he went, don't even bother, you're not travelling. And he went, you'll never play for us again. So I go home and I'm thinking, I don't even know just what's happened here. Right? West Ham go away to West Ham, they win five, Barnby scores a hat-trick, everything's great. Come in Monday morning, he said, you've got two options. He went, you can train at one o'clock at Belfield, on your own when the first team's gone or you can train at normal time at half ten with the kids forever and I've gone I'll take one o'clock on my own every day at Belfield and I've done that for three months that's a lonely place horrible place if you can try and imagine it no first team is there they've yeah. all gone home only ones left are the injured boys the staff are in a 
difficult place because they want to be your mate because you're their mates and you and you have been for years. But they've, they're Jimmy worried the kit, about the bo- Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy the kit, kit man who's been there for donkeys years. Yeah. Jimmy's Jimmy. He, he knew how to handle people, and they can't afford to be overly smiley because their boss is Walter. Yeah, effectively. So it's a real horrible, difficult place to be. And then, in a long story short, he got loads of injuries. He got back in the side, scored against Leicester away, and everything was fine. But I've never been tested like that in my life, apart from Walter Smith again. Mm. And according to Ali McCoy, this is a trick he tried at Rangers, and I didn't know this whatsoever. And you think that one was bizarre. This one was really left field. We play Leeds at home, and I think the game was nil-nil, and I played really well. And Walter took me off with about 20 minutes to go, and the crowd have booed his decision. And I'm sitting there, and I could feel Walter not even looking at the game anymore. He's now looking down the the, the, the subs bench for a reaction and I could feel it and the crowd of booed his decision I thought don't say anything mm-hmm. and I've been here a million times where I've always thought don't say anything mm. he knows you're, the, you're in the right place here but again what happens is your emotion takes over and I was calm and the game finished and we went in and we sat there and there was probably about 30 seconds of silence and then Walter let rip at me for my reaction and it was, it was perfect. I'd never, never done a thing. And he caned me and he went after me. He went after me and he was prodding me and he was nudging me and he was provoking me. And everything on my shoulder, the monkey on my shoulder was going, don't say anything. Mm. You're right. Gaffer's wrong. The other monkey's saying, you're going to have to stand up for yourself, yeah? Because you're looking a little bit weak. And I stood and I thought, no, I'm not going to say anything. And anyway, he went on and on and on until I snapped. Mm. And I was... Like 24 bottles of Lucozade and some waters and I picked up the Lucozades and I threw them in the air and I went don't be coming for me I went the crowd out there have let you know how bad of a decision that was well it's exactly what he wanted now he's got every right now being the manager seeing Rizzo Sarri going through the same thing at Chelsea he ran over got me by the throat stuck me in the showers literally I felt like he lifted me off the wall by an inch or two get home you'll never play with this club again I've came in I'm in the shower, I've took, took my stuff off, I'm in the shower, all the boys come in 1v1, Gaffer was bang out of order there, Gaffer mm. was bang out of order. Archie comes in, right next to me in the shower, he went, you okay? And I went, not really Archie, I went, what was that about? And he went, go and see the Gaffer in the boot room before you go home. Exactly the same boot room Howard was in, first door to the left hand side. So I'm thinking, this is going to be interesting. Mm. My career's done, but I wonder what he's got to say. So I go in, and I see him, and Walter says... You okay? I went, no. I went, what was that about? And he went, do you class Duncan Ferguson pretty hard? And I went, yeah. He went, Dave Watson, hard man. Richard Goff, hard man. I went, yeah. He went, Dave Unsworth, hard man. I went, yeah. He went, where were those three when I had you up against the wall? He went, you'll be captain Monday morning. New captain of Everton. And I got on my car and I'm just thinking, I've lost track of what this game's about anymore. I don't know what's for real. I don't know what... I don't know what's happening anymore. I've gone from never playing for the club again to now Duncan Ferguson being stripped of the captaincy and me being the new captain on Monday morning. <laughs> apparently, I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently Ali said he'd done the same thing at Rangers. I don't know if that's a fact. There are a few to step forward at Rangers in that. But, era, if I, I but can you imagine if I, if I listened to the other monkey and just went nothing, I'd have been finished. So he was testing my character you'd have betrayed I think as well as we've all got a snapping point exactly and you'd had a build up of things that would make you potentially snap but uh, I go back to there's your background there's what you learned in mm. the house 
there's where you're raised, there's your neighbourhood, there's competing in the church hall, there's the thing about, no, I've got a line. Your peripheral vision on the pitch is different from your peripheral yeah. vision in your processing in We've life. We've got a moral compass, haven't we? We've got a, listen, there's a line. And I don't care if strategically this reaction is or isn't <coughs> the right thing to do. There's a certain point where you're like, nah. Enough's enough. I, I, had, I had one with Richard Goff at Goodison Park where tense, nervy game, nothing really happening. And we've got a corner against and he's barking orders at me, Richard Goff. And I've given him some verbal abuse as players do to each other. It doesn't really mean anything, but it, it is what it is on the, on the park. And we've come eyeball to eyeball as just about the corner's going to come in. And he screams some abuse at me and I pushed him. Which is a big no-no to your teammates. Mm. At the Gladys Street end, mm. Gladys Street end went immediately straight against me. Mm. Never do that to a fellow pro. So after the game, I can't remember how the game went, Again, back in the boot room, Richard Goff's in the boot room with Walter. And Archie said, before you go, you went, Gaffer's in the boot room with Goffy. They want to see you. You know, Goffy's like, hard man. Come mob-handed. So my, my rationale was, he can punch me once. I'll give him one, because I've disrespected him on the pitch. Senior pro, top pro as well, model pro, great guy. And I thought, he can punch me once, Goffy. After that, got to stand, stand my ground and it'll be on. And I said to him, Goffey, I went, I apologise, I went, I bang out of order, you were completely in the right, I was in the wrong, just to let you know you've got one punch. And if you punch me once, that's it. If you do it again, it's on. And he held out his hand, shot me hand, he went, it's done, it's finished. Amazing. Good code. Great code. Um, and... We're going to finish on you. The man that they had to sign, Paul Gascoigne, to, to replace at Everton. I, I just wonder, you really interested me about your dad as we close, that if he had a slight preference for Rangers or cricket first, and a lad um, from basically your, your church, your boys club, mm. ends up playing for Rangers and, and you end up playing in the same position as Gaza. There's a little Gaza theme, I suppose, that has run through your life or your career and was he pleased to see Gascoigne at Rangers or didn't that matter that much? And mm. Was the shadow of Paul Gascoigne around you know, your streets and your community yeah. as you were coming Lived through? very close to each other. Yeah, I was brought up in a place called Teams. Um, he was in a place called Dunstan, which is literally a mile apart. My dad's working man's club was in Dunstan. Um, and my dad used to drink with, with Paul's dad, uh, John. So everyone sort of knew each other, um, and especially the environment that we're in. Um, and Gaza... Uh, we'd missed each other by three or four years, but Gaza was at Regif Boys Club for a little spell. Um, and we all got wind when we were 13, 14, and he was 16, 17. He was going to be the, you know, the, the artist, if you like, and, the, and, the, and the, the next big thing from our area. Um, and just what a player. What an unbelievable talent, unbelievable character. And probably my only regret... In football, is I never signed for Rangers when I had the chance. Dick Advocat was the manager at the time in uh, 2000, and I had the choice to leave Sunderland to go to West Ham or Rangers. And Rangers were in Champions League football at the time, uh, and it was a simple, it was a simple choice of where do you want to go. And everything was pulling me towards Rangers, mm-hmm. you know, because of my dad's yeah. um, support of them, because of my love for Rangers and a chance for to, to play in the Champions League. Uh, and it was literally a 50-50 call. And it was just the Premier League that brought me back to, to West Ham. 
um, and going back there for the second time because the first time obviously me and Harry clashed mm. and I think I was only there a year being a record signing and then the chance to go back under Glenn Rhoda as a record signing um, Glenn who'd been very much a chaperone yeah, in Gaza too exactly another, yeah. Yeah, another time um, yeah so um, I'd love to have had that, had that on my CV Rangers I'd love to have gone back and even though I love my time at West Ham and, and West Ham fans listen to this, it's not a, any dig whatsoever. No. Going, you know, back at West Ham, it was just the fact that it was Rangers football. Emotional club. ties. Yeah, emotional, exactly. Emotional draw or exactly. something. But if, um, it was, I'm not sure it was the second time, but had you not gone to West Ham, you wouldn't have had a chance to play with Paolo Di Canio, but I guess that's an <laughs> entirely different podcast. Last question is from our sponsors, 365 again. Um, I quite like this one. Which set of fans, talking about West Ham fans, were the least... <laughs> Forgiving. The Liverpool fans for playing for Everton or the West Ham fans for playing for Millwall? It's a shame Millwall's not in there because I was absolutely hated when I was at Millwall. They were just for, for playing for West Ham and going to Millwall. Previously? Yeah, yeah. So, so when I, when but it my, should be the ones you leave to go on. Well, when, I, when my contract was finished at West Ham in 2004, I selfishly, for my boy, who was, I was going through a divorce at the time and Max was probably about six or seven, I had the chance to go to the MLS. I had the chance to go to Australia. Wow. I didn't want to be away from Max. So for understandably selfish reasons, I wanted to be close to him. And the club that came in for me was Millwall. Everyone knows the history between West Ham and Millwall. Players tend not to go from either club. And the minute you walk through the door, it is hatred and it is hostile. And it was language, F off back to West Ham, you, this, that <laughs> and the other. And it was six months of that and I had to phone Adrian Heathen and literally say to him, get me out of here. And he was at Coventry. So I literally just got out of Millwall and went to Coventry. Um, to answer the question, it's a tough one. I think Liverpool fans would be more understanding and have been. Um, I don't know why. I don't know for, for, for any particular reason. I just found it that way. Um, I've also been lucky that um, both sets of fans, I would like to think whenever I'm on social media and whenever I go back to both clubs, like me. Um, they know I was a hundred percenter, so they know I never shirked anything while I was at Everton or while I was at Liverpool. Uh, and I'd like to think if you if you speak to Liverpool fans, I think or Everton fans, I think they'd like to think, yeah, I quite liked him. Uh, my my expression always at the end is that you're one of those players that whether you turn on the television or whether you had to buy your ticket or whether you had a season ticket, you gave value back for the choice to go. You go because. You love the stadium, you go because it's your club, maybe your dad or your granddad went, or you're taking your kids or whatever. Mm. Once you turn on the television or go and sit in a seat or stand behind the goal, you want to see the player and you go, well, one, yeah, that's me down there. And yeah. two, if I was down there, I'd try and play like that. That's very and kind. I think that's what you gave everybody. That's very kind. And it's how I started and I meant it when I began. And um, you've represented that brilliantly in this big interview podcast. It's been amazing. I've absolutely loved it. It's been therapy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, Socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo, and loads of me talking about football. 
the Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.